Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Christine Wolf Podcast, offering tiny bites of inspiration for some of life's biggest challenges. I'm your host, Christine Wolf, and today's episode comes to you from Space, an incredible music venue and performance space in Evanston, Illinois. And as it turns out, my guest, Colleen Griffin, an independent filmmaker in Chicago, filmed portions of her new mockumentary, Boy Band, here at Space. Colleen, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk about Boy Band. Please tell us everything you can about Boy Band. What is it? All things Boy Band. Yeah. Well, um, basically, it's a story of like every high school boy's dream. It's five young guys. They're best friends. They have a garage band. Not really sure they actually are any good. (laughs) And a competition comes to town to find out who can really be in a boy band. And they decide, or at least some of them decide, to enter the competition. (laughs) And you'll have to watch the short, which is available on YouTube, to find out what happens to our heroes. (laughs) And I've checked out your Kickstarter campaign, which is just hilarious. Your characters that you've written, Lance Stewart, Chad Steele, Preston Sterling, Yancey Kaminsky, and Sean Meadows are brilliant. Thank you. They are just spot on. We all know one of those guys, right? <laughs> How? Where did you get the idea for all of this? How did well, it come basically to be? we we there's a lot. Evanston is such a great artistic community, and we have so many artistic kids in this town. And honestly, my son was coming home one night with a bunch of his friends, and I looked at them, and I I looked, I was like, "You guys look like you could be in a boy band." <laughs> and then I thought. Wouldn't it be hilarious to make a mockumentary about a fake boy band? <laughs> so now I've re- revealed my deep, dark secret. But uh, that sort of was the germ of it. And then we started spitballing about it. And last summer we shot for three days. We shot the interview portions and a couple scenes that take place in a garage in northwest Evanston. And um, we decided if it was good, if we liked it, if it was funny, we would do actually shoot a music video mm-hmm. and record their first single. And did you do that? We did do that. We came back about three weeks later to space, and we shot a scene in space, and then we shot them recording their first single, and then we record actually recorded the song, What If?, which is written by another Evanston high school student, well, now <laughs> in college. But um, all the kids in the band are from Evanston Township High School, or graduates from Evanston Township High School. Mm-hmm. And they were all in Yama, which is such a great show in Evanston. Oh, yeah. And um, it's they're fantastic. They're like stellar artists. So it's got that feeling of such a classic already. Even if you just watch the two-minute brief Kickstarter video, it's got that. I don't know if you'll take this as a compliment, which I hope you do. It's got this John Hughes-ish kind of. You know, it's it's got an eternal. Well, one of, one of the things we went for, like I I I'm I'm not like a prudish person or it's not like I don't like or respect movies by like Judd Apatow and stuff like that but I think we sort of have like a bunch of them a bunch of sort of like potty humor movies that can be watched and one of the things that we we really wanted to play with is is sort of the earnestness of kids especially when they're like on a quest for something and they're so passionate and they're so sure that they can get there and and in their passion and in their interactions with each other there's a lot of humor, but but they're very serious about their quest and mm-hmm. what they how they feel about music, how they feel about each other, their friendships, and 
that's sort of to me like the really I I I don't know I didn't think of Hughes I kind of think of Capra Frank Frank Capra actually but, you know that's like kind of going back like maybe older than most people no no, no. Times, but. that's that's so interesting and and the fact that you saw these guys kind of coming into your house you had that vision and that you just happened to be a filmmaker and you were able to put that together I mean you. Well, one of the things that was kind of because the one of the things I love about going to the high school is like not and not just even um, for the theater kids is like you see so many kids that have, I mean your son is a artist and you see so many kids with so much talent and you just go, really can you find a place for those kids to showcase their talents exactly and we had a cast we had one cast and one of our cast members had went to camp all summer so we had to recast a part mm. and we. We recast the part of Sean, and I th- it was it was brilliant. It, he's so he's so great, <laughs> and it, we j- we really were able to build our character sort of like in a combination between writing and seeing these kids over the years and what they're doing, and then they improved and kind of built their characters sure. themselves. They so, enhanced what right. you had written, and we took the like classic boy band archetypes. You know, the rebel, the sensitive one, <laughs> the glue guy, the weird one, <laughs> the hot one, and we sort of played around with those archetypes. And <laughs> what is it like on the set when you're? Uh, it's like herding cats. <laughs> it, it is. It's just is it really. It's very fun, but it's like herding cats. You're very tired by the end of the day. I mean, what's the? Can you reveal the process in in a way that you know just gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what a shooting day is kind of like? I mean, do you well, we were so low budget on the first one that we would everything was like all the wardrobe was in our garage, and <laughs> I'll just give you one example. There's a dance sequence, and um, we didn't know exactly what the kids were going to wear, and so we're just like literally running upstairs, digging through <laughs> everybody's drawers, trying to find a top for somebody and i think in one scene chad is wearing a woman's black (laughs) you know tank top because that's all that we could find and so that's sort of like what the process was we you know we just we didn't have all of the (laughs) classic crew people that you would necessarily have and where did you find your crew i mean that's the well we did the exciting thing is like i i am a chicago filmmaker i have this is not the first film i've made in chicago i started um in 1993 i made my first i produced my first feature for my husband joe Chappelle called thieves quartet which we're actually going to be re-releasing this summer and um we made that, and after we made that, it opened in New York and L.A. It got good reviews in the Hollywood Reporter and New York Times, and that sort of like launched Joe's career, and he was able to go off and do shows like Fringe, The Wire, CSI Miami. Now he's in Chicago doing Chicago Fire, so he's home, which That's is nice. lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> and it's lovely for the city of Chicago to have production back in Chicago. Right. Thank you, Illinois Film Incentive, Tax Incentive. Um, but so... I so a couple of years ago, because Joe's home more and the kids are older, I was able to sort of like start going back into filmmaking myself, mm-hmm. and I made a feature, a short feature called um, "The Cold and the Quiet," and the young man who shot that is named Chris Van Opel, and mm-hmm. he's a fantastic cinematographer, and he agreed to come and do boy band. So he was sort of the captain of our crew, but we had a gaffer, uh, you know, a experienced gaffer. We had. A woman who lives in Evanston and does like Haven Help Us and hair and makeup and stuff like that, Andrea Davies, and she came and did our hair and makeup. And so we had some real crew people, and then we had, you know, kids in high school that were just kind of helping out. Um, so it's a little bit of a mix. That's nice, though. Because yeah, it's you're, really nice. Everybody's just 
putting in everything that they've got just to to make this from the ground Correct. up. I, I somebody asked me recently what did I want to accomplish with this project, and I said that if I could create a showpiece for these five young actors and some of these talented crew people, that I would have achieved what I wanted to do. And so I've kind of already gotten there, right. except we do want to take the next step. So describe the next step after the Kickstarter. Uh, is successfully funded by what is the the date that it ends May May eighth yes then then you've got your your funds necessary for production for compensating all these people that have right. been putting in all this time and right. effort then what happens after that well what we're hoping to do with um, the Kickstarter and we can talk about a little bit more about that later is the we want to do we don't we didn't think the story ended with the short. We, I think if anybody had any complaints about the short, they would say that they wish that they had gotten to see some of the competition. <laughs> so um, it's possible that we'll see some of the competition in what we want to shoot this summer, which is Boy Band, the web series. So our Id- idea awesome. is, yeah, the, guy, the, the, the guys are all committed, and we will be shooting 22 7- to 10-minute web, episode, web episodes, I guess is what they're called. Um, that sounds like a lot. Uh, that, you know, it, it, it seems like a, but if, if you think about it, it's like the way that you break it down in production is like it's, this was a 30-minute short we shot in five days. And the web webisodes would be maybe four minutes, six minutes in the middle of like a narrative film. Okay. So like 88 to 100 minutes. And then the interview portions, which when you see the short, you'll see that they're a very critical part. But those are very simple to shoot, the okay. interview portions. And so you can shoot on a low-budget independent film. You can easily shoot 6 to 10 pages a day. Hmm. It's challenging, but um, these guys know their characters really well. They're very polished, mm-hmm. and the crew's very experienced. They're comfortable working with each other. Mm-hmm. So we have four weeks maybe six if we need it, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to be okay. It, it's fascinating to get the, the behind-the-scenes kind of understanding, not having come from a production background whatsoever. And uh, How did you get into production in the first place? Did well, you- Joe and I actually went to Northwestern. We got MFAs at uh, Northwestern in the radio, TV, film department. We graduated, um, I think I graduated in 86, and he graduated in 85. Okay. And then we worked in the advertising community in downtown Chicago for seven years until we made Thieves Quartet. Wow. Yeah. And we, every, but we did what everybody else does every night and every weekend. We wrote, shot, cut something, a short, a film, a corporate video, whatever. You just love the process? Well, it's like you just have to, you know, one, Joe was recently interviewed by the Independent Feature Project, um, 75 Minutes with Joe Chappelle. And it, it, I, it was interesting to listen to him because he's kind of a quiet guy. Mm-hmm. He's not as much of a blabbermouth as me. <laughs> and he talked about um, what is, you know, like all filmic, young filmmakers want to know, like what's the most important thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. And his advice is if you start a project, finish it. Mm-hmm. That's the single. So if you if you just do that practice almost like a yoga or a ritual just mm-hmm. like you start a project you finish it whether it's a vine or a two-minute vimeo mm-hmm. something that goes on vimeo a youtube a music video anything just a script you start a script finish it um even if it's terrible just get it done and then do it over and over and over again. And is is the the importance of finishing and completing something more for the sense of accomplishment? Is it the experience? Is it? Um, I think it's all of those things. I think it's 
a sense of accomplishment. It's very easy if you are not on a deadline. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go into advertising and you go into television, especially television, you have an air date. Mm -hmm. You cannot miss that. That there's, you know, there's no budging. Like 9 o'clock Wednesday night, that's it. Boom, it's got to be on the air. So you get to get that sense of discipline of like finishing something. Mm-hmm. I think as a student or um, independent artist, you can be like, well, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll work on it over Christmas vacation. Not that independent artists don't work hard, but it you, to have that kind of a little bit hanging over your head of, you know, get this done. I think that's just a good discipline. And it exercises a muscle that uh-huh. can be used again and again and again. Right. And, it, and, it, and it's not going to, you know, the first thing you write is not going to be great. The right. first thing that you shoot is not going to, generally. The first, uh, there's, I don't remember, but that Ira Glass, I don't know if you saw it, where he talks about the first things that he did. Um, and they're just, so the more that you practice, the better and better you get at writing, at shooting, at cutting. When I made... Um, the cold and the quiet. I after I looked at the footage, I was like, "Wow, I really could use more coverage." And he says, "Joe, Joe's job on Chicago Fire is to sort of he directs, but he also kind of supervises all the visiting directors. Okay. And um, first time directors or inexperienced directors, the first thing they will say that is the number one thing they say. I didn't get enough coverage. Hmm. So you make one movie and you go, "I didn't get enough coverage." Then the next time you make one, you get more coverage, and the next time building, you get more, and you figure just out how more and more right to get all the pieces that you need to make sure that you can tell the story in the most fluid way possible. You know that that advice I think applies to a lot of things in life. Um, as a writer, I find that it's pretty easy to be a compulsive creator and just come up with all of these ideas, and then you can put a lot of things into drawers, but when those things sit in the drawers they kind of eat at you too and there's so much to be gained from seeing something through learning about what you could have done better and then applying even if you finish it and you stick it back in the drawer and you never send it to anybody it's like you did it and you you can you know and you can always go back to it but just getting it done well i need to also ask how understanding now that you and Joe went to Northwestern, I get why you are Evanston-based, but mm-hmm. why did you never take off and go to L.A. or somewhere we else? We did go to L.A. for one year. So after um, Thieves Quartet uh, came out and Joe got hired to direct Halloween 6, we he went, uh, I can't remember what it was, I think it was Park City, Utah, they made Halloween 6. Then he went to L.A. and he did um, Hellraiser 4, uncredited. Um, and he... We lived there for 11 months, long enough to have our baby girl, Mora, who is now 19 at, at Michigan State University. Woo-hoo. Go Spartans. Um, and we just didn't love, um, we just didn't love Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. We didn't, nec- I don't think we necessarily lived, we lived in the valley, we didn't live in like a place. It was, it was hard to find a place where you could have the sense of neighborhood that you can have in Evanston. Did you and Joe grow up in the Midwest? I grew up in Kentucky. I'm shaking my head no. I grew up in Kentucky, (laughs) and Joe grew up in New Jersey. Got it. And we came here, and we um, we just loved the... You know, Joe was like, let's... If we're going to live in Chicago, let's live near the lake. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Evanston is just such an interesting community. It's so it's such a mix of different kinds of people. You kind of see everything here. You can send your kids to public school, which is really important to us. Mm-hmm. And like when we moved in, we moved in. We don't live there anymore, but we moved into this block on Harrison Street, and we moved on this block. And half the people on this block, I'm not kidding, didn't even own televisions. So wow. They they didn't go to the movies. They didn't they didn't care about what Joe did for a living. Mm-hmm. In Los Angeles, a lot of people really care. Okay, and so it was great to be in an environment where it was just like you know no no big shakes, right. just 
this is what well said that, yeah. that's kind of what Evanston's yeah often seen as um, yeah. I love that term you know it's just no big shakes yeah that should be our new slogan okay you know, I'm done keep Austin weird Evanston Fu- no big shakes <laughs> <laughs> fund our Kickstarter with that campaign well just kidding why don't we just play the audio from okay. the Kickstarter I think it'll give listeners a genuine sense of what the five hilarious characters are really all about here we go hey guys I'm Chad Sean uh, Preston Yancy Lance Please throw us some cash for the uh, our boy band project. We are so stoked to show you our ideas. I don't know if we're stoked. I, no, dude. Uh, I, I think I, we're all a little stoked. Yeah, yeah. probably all stoked. Yeah, it's really exciting. This is there is a fire. No, no. Not any contribution would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, if you can't spare any cash, cheese, Skrilla, cheddar, just I don't think anyone calls it Skrilla. Just hit us on Facebook or tweet at us. They can tumble us. You can tumble me. <laughs> Just do you Facebook. Might. Thank you so much. Give us a little bit of insight on how Kickstarter works and have you ever used Kickstarter before? We have never used Kickstarter before. In fact, it's very... I th- I, I am so excited about Kickstarter because um, not just Kickstarter, all the crowdfunding, crowdsourcing projects. When we made... I keep talking about these quartet, but when we made these quartet in 1993, you're really your only options were to get a studio to back a picture, which is challenging, mm-hmm. or to get... Um, uh, go through, which we did, a very laborious, and you had to um, enlist a lot of help with attorneys and make business plans. Mm. Not that we don't have like a serious foundation of what we're going to do with this project, but you had to be careful with blue sky laws, which are, I think, SEC laws, yeah. and filing restrictions, and all the stuff that's like... A lot of if you're an, and, and if you're an artist, it's like you don't necessarily have that part of your brain right it's not, you're I, yeah. savvy your yeah. natural go-to place right so. and so this is very liberating because well there's two things i think that have um just sort of you know galvanized the filmmaking world one is technology we shot these quartet on 35 millimeter film we spent fifty four thousand dollars on film stock and processing <laughs> which was only a portion of our budget our whole budget was three hundred twenty thousand dollars so we we will be because of the revolution in technology, you can shoot with a SLR camera. Mm-hmm. You can cut your films on an iMac or even on a laptop mm-hmm. and make them almost broadcast quality, right. which is just revolutionary for filmmakers. I used to say years ago that filmmaking was like architecture and big giant sculptures, like the Picasso sculptures, because you had to have money to make them. Right. Now, you still have to have money, you just don't have to have quite as much money. So then you bring Kickstarter into the thing, and the way that Kickstarter works is you can come up with this great idea, which mm-hmm. I feel like we have, and you can put it out there, you make your page, and then people go and look at your page. And so somebody might look at that and go, wow, you're trying to raise $60,000, how are you gonna do that? But we have a, over a thousand followers on Facebook. I'm not saying that all of them are going to give us fifty dollars. But if each of them gave us fifty dollars, we would be very close to our goal of sixty thousand sure. dollars. So it just kind of lightens the load for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's. I'm not saying fifty dollars isn't a lot of money, but it's not like I'm asking somebody to give me five thousand dollars or ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars to make this project a reality. Sure. I'm just. You just sort of like through the magic of social media, you'd like sort of. You know, and you, I funded a, I funded a project um, called Camino, which is I saw these two kids, and it, 
it's on it's already funded but it's basically they take a cooler out of the back of a pickup truck thinking that they're stealing a case of beer mm-hmm. and there's actually two kidneys inside oh god <laughs> And, and I was just really, I thought it was really imaginative. And then there's another one that I funded in New York called Lady Parts, which also was funded. I think they already finished shooting, which is about the casting calls that people, women have to re- read. Right. And it's things like, you know, well, you can look it up on Kickstarter, but it's, I will do a bad imitation, but it's like, um, you know, white girl that doesn't say anything, but she looks perky. And that's like the casting call. And so so they just have all these normal-looking actresses reading these ridiculous casting calls. Oh, that's calls. awesome. So, yeah, and so it's people are out there. They're making comic books. They're doing magazines. They're doing, um, you know, old-style printing. They're doing it's documentaries. It's really a it's cool It's changing thing. the yeah. entire face yeah. of, of filmmaking. Well, so when people donate, let's say somebody donates to your Kickstarter, for those who aren't familiar with crowdsourcing, uh-huh. then what happens? Let's say somebody donates $50. Then is it the the pleasure of having you know, given to something that could turn into something bigger or... Well, it's a couple different things. I mean, there's no... You can't... You're Like, one of the rules is you can't incentivize it, like, financially. You can't say, like, we're going to give you money, like, in six months. But I think you have to think of it sort of as being, like, a patron of the arts. Mm-hmm. The way, you know, people think of filmmaking as, like, big, you know, like, Steven Soderbergh, Steven Spielberg, you know, um, CBS, NBC, ABC were these sure. big budgets. But there's a lot of filmmakers that are trying to get by on sort of guerrilla filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And we are specifically targeting our budget for hiring our crew because crews work really hard. Mm-hmm. Usually direct – I'm not even getting – I'm not getting paid for this because Joe does fine. And, and it, but the um, the – the cast usually does fine because they end up with a resume piece. Mm-hmm. They are getting paid, but they still have like something to show. Um, but a lot of times, crew people come and they work really long hours, and they do sometimes kind of you know not the funnest jobs in the world. Right, and then they just go on to another project. Right. One of the things we're excited to do is that we get to, as an independent film, we get to take somebody that maybe has a their normal job is sort of a PA or an assistant camera person mm-hmm. and we get to let them try their skills at being a camera operator. Oh, so it's kind of like resume building. So we, like, our sort of Joe and my sort of global thing what we want to do is we just want to keep building sort of these aspiring filmmakers that we have in Chicago because mm-hmm. we would like them to stay in Chicago and not go to New York and LA and keep these young talented people and middle aged talented people <laughs> in Chicago making stuff here. And is Joe part of the production as well? He's our executive producer. Got it. For somebody who doesn't understand completely what a producer does or a uh, the difference between a producer and an executive producer, can you explain that? The simplest way of saying it is generally an executive producer is one of two things. They're either a person that kind of makes the deal, like they bring the person into the room that gets the project greenlit. So they get... Steven Spielberg to say yes. They mm-hmm. get um, George Clooney to say yes. Or they're the person that brings the money. General, a lot of times they're the cash. Um, on TV shows, there's lots of executive producers that are um, just very high up in the chain of like kind of running things. There's two different types of producers. There's um, management type producers, kind of like a project manager for like a construction job. Sure. And they're sort of hiring, firing, scheduling how to how logistics just, yeah logistics and then you have a creative producer who sort of who looks at it and goes is this really the story we want to tell mm. is this 
is this where our boy band ends up at the end? Is mm-hmm. this going to be satisfying to our audience? Is that really what Yancey would do? I have to ask, just as an aside, when you were growing up, was there a boy band that you absolutely followed? Gosh, I don't know. I remember I was a big Elvis Presley fan. Sure. I had tickets to see him. This is how old I am. I had tickets to see him in concert, and the concert was a week after he died. <gasps> and I went to the mall. I remember going to the mall, and all these women in beehives clutching their albums to their chests, <laughs> sobbing hysterically. So I never got to see him in concert. So I would say, I don't even know. I guess the Beatles, but was I don't know. I'm 55. I don't think we had boy bands back then. Yeah. <laughs> Duran Duran was just where it's at. But when I look back now... They are, yeah. They are. I love. Are. I love One Direction. I. I think they're. I think some of their songs are great. Story so, of My Life, I think, is a great song. But now with the news, well, I'm pretty sure that they're going to try to steal one of our boy bands from us, and they're not going to get them. I think you should be really on top of this yeah, because, because yeah, it could I know. get it could get ugly. I don't know what you're going to do then. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> or maybe it's time for a new boy band to rise, <laughs> kick them off their throne. You know what I'm saying? Just kidding. So, are the guys finding it? Are they getting just a huge kick out of out of the whole thing? I think they really. I think they're really proud of it. They, you know, you'd have to. Yeah. You, but they, I think they 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 can't help but be. They're so good. You know, <laughs> I can brag about them. What's the What's the best part of of this project for you personally? Well, I think that um, it's working with all the talented people, not just the actors, but it's like um, Morris Chappelle wrote the song "What If." I wrote the words which, from a story that I think this is kind of a fun story. Um, when I was in college, I was a theater degree major. I am a terrible actress, but my ma- major was theater. And I, our, I had this really tough teacher. She was just kind of like a pill, and she just hounded us all the time. And one day she had this lecture with us about rejection, and she talked to us about just the process of rejection. So she's like, okay, so, you know, you're going to go out and you're going to try for something. So, you know. Are, how are you going to decide if you're going to do it or not? And we're all like, we don't know. And she's like, so so you're going to go out there. And what if what if you what if it's no? What if the answer is no? And we're all like, well, we'll feel rejected. We'll feel embarrassed, and we'll feel all this. And and she just nodded and listened to all of us say what you know it would feel like if we were rejected. And she goes, yeah, but now what if the answer is yes? Mm. And I've that's sort of how I've lived my life. I mean, that's how we made these quartet. I've always said, okay, so what if the answer is yes? I will pick up the phone. I will call anybody. I will ask them a question. Because, I mean, I called Space. I didn't know anyone here. And I was like, would you guys mind if we shot a scene in your lobby? And they're like, sure. You know, and so. Isn't that awesome? Why not ask? You know, as long as you do it politely and you're, you know. It doesn't hurt to ask. It does not hurt to ask. And it opens so many doors, too. Yeah. You and, really. And get on the phone and do it, you know. Right. Don't. <laughs> what's, what's your, what's your, um, what's the best advice you could offer right now based on everything that you've done in the past so far with filmmaking for an aspiring filmmaker who is just just beginning and feeling like they don't have the ground underneath them and it seems like everybody else is so much further ahead as far as connections and right experience. it's it's, ve- it's a very tough field i have to be honest it's a very tough field i just came back from a trip in la where we were shopping around a couple scripts and i met with a bunch of writers and we were talking about the whole film school process because it's very difficult to get into film schools and um, I'm of two minds. I think that if you have no connections in the business, it doesn't hurt to go to a school 
if you can get into one, mm-hmm. they're brutally hard to get into. Um, I think that I'm just going to go back to what I said before. Do it. You know, but go to college, get a good degree. This is what the guys in L.A. told me. Go to college, get a good degree, get a history degree, s- travel, learn, get just what you would tell a writer. Right. Expand your horizons, learn about the world, and then get a good camera that you can shoot video with. Mm-hmm. Teach yourself or take a course mm-hmm. and shoot and then shoot and cut. Write, shoot, and cut. Write, shoot, and cut. Over and over. Over and over and over again right. until you get something that you like. And when they do that, what, do they do anything with it? Well, yeah. You, there's things that you can do with it, but again, that's really tricky. I mean, you've got... There, it's sort of like the best and the worst of both worlds right now because you've got... You can... with There's something called without a box where you can enter, you know... 5,000 film festivals if you're willing to pay the $65, the $50, mm-hmm. whatever entrance fee. And maybe you'll look out and get into a fantastic film festival. A lot of people will say Sundance and Toronto are the only film festivals that really even matter. Mm-hmm. But like for our film, The Cold and the Quiet, we had a nice little regional festival run. We won Best Narrative at the Independent Women's Film Festival in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And um, great. we were in Gasparilla. We were in Frankfurt Film Festival in Frankfurt, Michigan. We were at the Midwest Independent Film Festival, which is a great um, organization in Chicago. Um, and you can get your stuff showcased, but then the other side of things is you can release you can release your films on Vimeo on YouTube. We released um, Boy Band on YouTube on Sunday, and we have almost a thousand views. So you know, if everybody that's listening right now goes and watches watches Boy Band, maybe we'll have two thousand views or ten thousand or however many. But I think it's that's exciting just to have your work seen by people. Um, will it make? Will it? get you a three-picture deal with Universal? Mm, I don't know. It might not. But it might not. what if it does? Exactly. I'm listening to what exactly. you're saying. And exactly. I, I, I hope our listeners are <laughs> taking a lot of your advice because it's really... It's inspiring. And oh, it's, good. It's really encouraging. Well, I'm it's sure. a fun. It's a fun business. And the, the thing is, you don't have to... You can... I do think if you get a good degree, you can go to Los Angeles and you can get a job in the business mm-hmm. that pays well... You can also stay in Chicago and get a job in the business. <laughs> the tax credit is good through 2021, renewable every five years. And there are great jobs. They are, you know, 476, which is the union for the studio mechanics, has opened in the fall, and there's a rumor that it's going to open again in the spring. Those are good, not necessarily entry-level jobs, but, you know, we might have, with Empire, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, and possibly Chicago Med, and Sirens, and sh- Mm, I don't know if you really count Shameless. We could have six or seven TV series shooting in Chicago. Wow. Which is just fantastic for the actors and What's the best part about uh, filming in Chicago, would you say? Um, I think the best part of it is we went to the wrap party for Chicago Fire, the, I think, season one. And not that Joe is responsible for this, you know, this is the legislature and the governor and stuff did it. People came up to us and said, um, these shows saved marriages, saved mm. houses, saved, you know, kept people. Because these are wow. people that, there was just sort of a dearth of production for yeah. 15 years, 20 years. And yeah. it's revitalized, and it's great. I remember when I worked in advertising, um, a lot of the production at the time, which was in the early 90s, uh-huh. went to Canada. Uh, Correct. Just, I mean, the dollar was was such that so many c- 
commercials were shot out there. And what would you say now? I mean, is it... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I would say that the biggest telling thing is that Los Angeles, California just passed a tax incentive because I think of the 27 network primetime shows, maybe three are shot in Los Angeles. Wow. Wow. Three. Yeah. California is saying... We need to have our own tax incentive to bring people back where most of, you know, the networks are all based there for the most part. Mm -hmm. The writers are there. Mm -hmm. The studio heads are there. So they're having to have a tax incentive to get people to come back and shoot there. But I will say Illinois is one of the best. And that's why we're getting, I think it's Georgia, Illinois, and um, Louisiana. Georgia. Atlanta has a ton of stuff going on right now. I love learning all of this stuff. I, it's And I love talking to creative types in particular because there is just something so, um, I don't know what the word is. Maybe you can help me with it. But this, this sense, whether it's filmmakers or writers or musicians, helping those who are just coming up. Um, it's not like when I was in the business world where it was so, I mean, granted, it's cutthroat. Mm-hmm. A creative life is a cutthroat life, but your um, more experienced creatives tend to very naturally and organically want to help those coming after them. I think I think it you know I think it depends on the person. I I mean I do think that I sort of feel like we have been just had this great ride, yeah. Joe and I, of like he you know, like out of all the guys that like you know why did he and he's doing really well and. Uh, hey, he's really talented. He's a real hard worker. He's a great person. But it could have been five other people. So I just feel like we're extremely fortunate to have that. Um, so this is a little bit of a give back, but it's it's also just like we, you know, if you think about like the de- Medici's and stuff like that, it's mm-hmm. like you. there used to be a time if you were, you know, if you're Michelangelo or I'm going to say the names, I'm going to mess we up the names. Yeah. Those, One of those, those famous people. artist people. <laughs> You had a patron that right. paid your bills, but now like you have to have a job at Starbucks and then Aye. have another job at Target yeah. to pay your bills and pay your student loans back, and then maybe at Sunday, you know, Sunday yeah. afternoon, you can try to spend two hours writing something if you could stay awake. Right, and I just feel like it's like we—it's kind of beholden on us to sort of, you know, move, keep people coming up, and and look at these these kids and just like for example one of the things we're going to do with the series is i'm not going to direct all the episodes because like i I think it'd be great i'd like to i think chris finopel's going to direct an episode and maybe even each one of the guys that's in it are going to whoever you know just like let's do it let's you know keep more people making stuff so we can make more funny i like to make people laugh i think it's a fun thing to do and I think there's a lot of serious stuff in the world, and I think it's fun to make people laugh. So I just want to keep making more people laugh. Oh, I hope you do. I hope Good. you. I hope you. Um, <laughs> I do get too. Your Kickstarter funded. I, it, I have no doubt that you will. And, oh, thanks. Um, and I bet you're going to do it before your uh, closing date on May eighth. And what what are you hoping boy band will uh, will do for for America? I hope that boy band will teach people that. Everyone has a musician inside of them. <laughs> I think you will accomplish that. I Thank really you. do. I Thank think you. these these amazing actors are are proof positive that um, really anybody can be a musician. 
anybody. Anybody. Well, I'd like to thank Colleen Griffin once again for joining us at Space here in Evanston. Please stay tuned for more episodes of the Christine Wolf Podcast. Thank you again for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Best of luck to you. Thanks a lot.